Do the federal conservatives have a racism problem? You know, the issues on which the 2019 federal election was fought may not say so, but that may be a perception that's keeping voters away. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. I talk with National Post contributor and author Jamil Giovanni about what pollsters are saying, why the perception may persist, and what the Conservative Party can do to shake the stigma. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Jamil, in 2019, a lot of the questions during the election campaign regarding the Conservatives and Andrew Scheer focused on things like social conservative issues, abortion, same-sex marriage, as well as economic issues, you know, whether they were going to cut government drastically, uh, whether uh, they were going to make things more or less affordable for people. So where do issues like race and racism fit in to that whole kind of tapestry of the 2019 campaign? Yeah, there, there was certainly a moment in 2019 where it seemed like the liberals were going to focus on race. You may remember there were stories about Faith Goldie and trying to link Andrew Scheer to white nationalists and smearing of a lot of the yellow vest uh, protesters. And so it, it seemed like it was going to be an issue. But then, of course, we had the exposure of Justin Trudeau as a blackface enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And it became hard then for, I think, the liberals to bring up the race issue with any kind of credibility or authenticity because they themselves didn't want to talk about race either. And I think that's where the race issue wound up falling by the wayside. The other issue too was um, in an effort to, I suppose, not seem controversial to uh, Quebec voters, I think they didn't want to talk about race insofar as it might bring up the bill that was banning public religious symbols for public employees like teachers and cops. Yeah. And so people, it seemed like almost everyone had a, an unspoken truce on that issue where it was like, let's not talk about diversity. Let's not talk about race. This is just going to go bad for everybody. So let's all leave it alone. Right. And and as the campaign wore on, it, it seemed like those issues kind of vanished. You know, I know that Bill 21 came up during the English language leaders debate. And I think that the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh, was the only one who really took a firm stand on uh, that bill itself. Even if other leaders talked about not necessarily liking what was in the bill, they no one really wanted to step on Quebec's toes there. So now that the election is over and you know we're we're going to head into another session of parliament uh sometime in, in the next couple months where does race and the conservative party sit now well we're seeing everybody do their postmortems uh, over the last couple of months and they want to know why did the party lose what are we supposed to do differently next time very clearly people want to focus on social conservative issues they want to blame andrew shears let's say, religiosity uh, for why the party wasn't able to make inroads in the greater Toronto area. And the truth is, I don't think that's based on any actual evidence or hard facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the, the data available, what seems more likely to be a barrier for the Conservative Party in the Toronto area is on race. That's an issue that the a- recent abacus data poll pointed out people are concerned about. They associate the Canadian Conservative Party with racism. I don't think that's fair, uh, to be honest with you, especially since 
as we saw, our, our Prime Minister Trudeau has his own race issues in his closet. So I'm not sure that's fair to the Conservative Party, but it is a reality of how many voters perceive the party. And that means that the party, if it wants to be successful in the Toronto area, which we know is necessary in order to win anything resembling a parliamentary majority, uh, they need to take that, that issue seriously. So my hope is that over the next couple of months, as the party continues the postmortems and thinks about what the future looks like, that they really think about building authentic, honest relationships with voters from minority communities. And that can be part of a policy agenda, but also about communications and just about getting out there and connecting with people. Now, why is it, do you think that the conservatives have this issue where when people are asked what they think about the conservative party, the word racism seems to stick in their minds? There are a few different factors I think at play. One is that we you know, and I say we because I am a member of the Conservative Party. So I think we, you know, cede territory too often when it comes to engaging with minority voters. And the Liberal Party has done an excellent job of building relationships over the course of decades. What I think is is different about us is we also don't take the time to think about how our values and our policies might be able to solve the problems that face minority communities or give them a hand up in our society. And I think because we don't make the effort of, of making those connections between our beliefs and improving the conditions of minority communities in certain parts of the country, I think we're just leaving an open door that the liberals very gladly march through every four years. And to our credit, I think we also resist to some extent the tokenism that liberals love. I mean, they love the idea of having people from different races and ethnicities who speak different languages and propping them up to say, hey, look at how tolerant and welcoming we are. And I think conservatives, to their credit, don't like that kind of tokenism. They don't want to be uh, dishonest or inauthentic in that way. But that's exactly why we need to be thinking about, okay, well, how do we authentically engage these communities? Because it turns out that the intersectional theory that racial minorities will hold progressive views on all these different social issues, it's just a myth. And that there are tons of minority groups that have a complex and nuanced view on many social issues, and we should be engaging them. But because we don't, we wind up leaving many voters to think, well, one side wants me to be engaged and the other side doesn't. I might as well go with the people who want to engage me, even if I don't agree with anything they have to say. I mean, it seemed like the conservatives were trying to make that kind of outreach. I know that like there's a joke about now Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, who who used to be the minister of citizenship and immigration, that he was the minister of, quote, curry in a hurry. And he was the kind of guy who would be hustling to all of these different cultural events. Where did that fall off? Where did like the idea that the party was trying to make outreach to different uh, races, different cultural communities where did that fall off and where did they start to get this perception about them that they either didn't care about outsiders or were outright hostile to outsiders? Yeah, certainly Premier Kenny was very effective. And I mean, he even came back to Ontario to to campaign on uh, for Andrew Scheer during the election period. So he still maintains those relationships and that's incredibly valuable. The mistake I think that was made is that they weren't institutionalized. They were about one man uh, being able to build those connections. It wasn't about the party being able to build those connections. And one of the mistakes I think that was made in 2015 was around making the niqab uh, a political issue. Uh, the Conservative Party campaigned against the niqab. They campaigned around, you know, the barbaric cultural practices hotline and, and these different ideas that 
you know, we can have different views, I suppose, on what the intentions and motivations were. But truthfully, I think it did uh, hurt the party standing in a lot of minority communities. The other issue that's happening too that's worth thinking about is, do we have a different outreach approach for people who are newcomers versus people who might be second, third, fourth generation Canadians? Because I do think that having multicultural outreach when it comes to newcomers or people who are part of cultural subgroups in our country, that makes sense to me. But someone like me, who I'm just a Canadian, I mean, my father's from Kenya, my mother's from Ireland, but I only see myself in this current cultural context. So you don't need to wear any sort of different clothing or learn any new words in order to talk to someone like me. You just have to make me feel like you respect me and that I'm part of your vision for a better, stronger Canada. And that's the part that I think the conservative parties failed at. So moving away from seeing everyone from a racial minority community as a newcomer to seeing that we now have lots of people who are culturally just like every other Canadian, but they want a place in this society. And, and I think conservatives are actually the ones who can offer that. We are the ones who are a party of, of nationalism and strong bonds between people who share this nation. And I think that that's what's appealing about the party to a lot of people who want a place in this country. But we have to make sure people see that as accessible, that it's not about whether you got in this country before a certain date or that your ancestors were here before a certain date. It's about whether you want to be part of building this nation and making it even greater than it is now. So that message is what the party's not delivering. And that's what I think is going to be the difference maker between do they continue to toil away in irrelevance in some of these diverse ridings in the Toronto area, in the Vancouver area, in the Montreal area, or are they actually going to become a competitive player in reaching these core voting blocks? Do you think that the party was helped in some way by the fact that you had Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada try and make a go of things. I know they didn't fare as well as they had hoped in the election, but they took with them some more controversial elements of the conservative movement, not necessarily the conservative party, but they took with them people who may align with conservatives who held more extreme views. And And do you think the fact that now that they may not be a going concern might put more pressure on the Conservative Party to deal with some of those fringe elements who want to come back now that the PPC is kind of a big question mark? It's an interesting question because some of the PPC's views, like on uh, immigration restriction, for instance, are not necessarily unpopular among different minority communities. The, the question is, are we developing a view of immigration that serves the best interests of the country? as opposed to a view of immigration that's based on nativism or uh, you know tribalism of some kind pit pitting one group of people against another and that's where the ppc failed i think so yes the ppc did extract some of the more extreme elements perhaps of uh, the right wing political base in our country but um i think what they did well that the conservative party would benefit from is being bold and clear with some vision. Uh, I think that when you have a, a leader on stage who just sort of seems like he's part of the background, where he uh, seemed almost like a potted plant at times where no one notices him, he's not strong, he's not standing out, he's not offering a real alternative to liberal orthodoxy, both in the big L liberal sense, but also in the small L liberal sense, um, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the conservative party can say, well, the PPC, what they did well was be bold. The problem is they were bold about ideas that weren't popular and weren't good for the country, but maybe we can be bold with good ideas. And that would be the way to try to bring together uh, everybody who has any, let's say, predisposition to supporting right-wing political ideas. 
on that note, like talking about supporters of, of movements like the PPC, do you think the Conservative Party gets hurt in terms of public perception because of fringe elements who may go on their YouTube videos and post hateful comments or may go on their Facebook pages and post hateful comments? Because you, I mean, even in Alberta, where I'm based, you saw that during the provincial election where purported supporters of Jason Kenney and the United Conservative Party of Alberta would go on and say pretty awful things about A, the the NDP and, and former Premier Rachel Notley, but B, about outsiders or people of different cultures who come in and want to take jobs or things like that. Like how does a, how does a national party combat some of the stuff that goes on with their social media accounts or their YouTube pages and, and police those things while still being a free speech type party? I think that what I see when people try to, let's say, shame a politician or a political party for what might be on internet comments I think that's a mostly uh, an old and outdated way of thinking about the role that the internet has in the world. It is an open forum for people to share their views, some of which are horrible and some of which are great. And the idea that people should be responsible for what is said online uh, by someone who follows them on Twitter or Instagram or, or, or watches their content on YouTube. I just think that's, I mean, not to be uh, derogatory, but that feels like an okay boomer moment <laughs> to me, right? Where it's like, <laughs> that's just not, uh, that's an outdated way of thinking. And people strategically want to use that to manipulate, uh, in my view, uh, right-wing uh, pu- public figures to try to paint uh, conservatives and people who lean to the right, even center-right, in the worst ways possible. But the truth is that, you know, we, by engaging the public, that means we're trying to offer ideas to people who sometimes are, you know, fringe elements in society. And how do we help uh, bring those people back to pro-social views? Well, we make content that they might want to see. And I, you know, I look at someone like Jordan Peterson, he's a great example of, of someone who's been smeared over and over again by what some of his, uh, watchers on YouTube or the people listening to his podcast might say online. But the truth is, I'm glad they're listening to him because I think he can make their life better and bring them away from nefarious influences. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't take that very seriously. I think that's a that's a it's a way of manipulating us. But I'm I think we need to really develop the thick skin of saying, look, I'm responsible for what I say. I will try to lead people in a better direction, but you're not going to use the complexities of the internet to try to paint me in a light that's undeserved. Now, looking ahead to the conservative leadership race, you know, I know there are people still kind of entering and leaving and exploring whether they want to run, but what do you think needs to be discussed to at least get the sense from the party that it is moving forward in dealing with its racism problem? The first thing to me is about authenticity. When people start to mirror the way progressives handle these complex issues because they know the CBC might w- won't get mad at them for it. I don't think that's authentic. And I think I, I don't take that uh, seriously because I think that's also a temporary solution. I want to see people, regardless of their background or where they come from, be authentic and, and engage with the reputation of the party so we can build it into something that's going to reach everybody who has conservative values. What that means is speaking to people honestly and authentically. Donald Trump, bizarrely, is a good example of this right now. And I I mean, it's weird to bring him up as an example of how to combat racism in politics, given his history of inflammatory comments. But what he's doing right now is he's going to black communities, Latino
Latino communities, Asian communities. And he's saying, look, your unemployment rates are the lowest they've ever been. That's my purpose as your president is to make it easier for you to find opportunities to be great. And here are the success stories created by my efforts. And I hope you will have faith in me as your president to continue doing that. And that's, to me, what I want to see from the conservative party. Stop making it too complicated. We are human beings. People who look different than you don't need to be treated as if our political priorities are obscenely different. For the most part, we're looking for a way to provide for our families and have a positive, healthy uh, life in our society with some degree of status and respect. Mm -hmm. And if you can speak to people and say, I have a plan for how to do that and trust me and trust my plan, give me a shot and I'll see what I can do for you and your kids. That's what I want to see is people with, with an idea for how to treat everyone equally, whether that's through opportunity, but also through respect and communication. Do you worry that the race may get too bogged down with kind of two main issues? One, who can be Justin Trudeau and two, what are we going to do to help Alberta get its oil to market? Those seem to be the issues that, that really have stood out so far. And I know there's still five more months to go until uh, conservative members actually vote. But d do you worry that it just may boil down to a couple of these other issues and kind of leave things like race and racism off to the side again? Well, on the matter of Alberta, if that's going to be a focus of helping more working class families get work in that province, I think that's great. And I, I hope that's something everyone is held accountable to have an answer to. On the question of how to beat Justin Trudeau, I mean, I don't think you can continue doing this status quo, ethnic outreach, multicultural outreach in the GTA and, and beat Justin Trudeau. So to me, those things are intertwined objectives. If you want to be competitive in these urban centers, then you're going to need to figure out how to do effective outreach and how to, how to build authentic connection with people. So I think that that's a, gonna, needs to be a key part of how we think about this strategy. If we're just going to see the same song and dance over and over again, where we hope, well, let's just hope Justin Trudeau loses the election for us. Uh, I don't think that approach is going to work. I, we saw it fail, and I hope people don't expect to run the same playbook again because I don't think it's going to go anywhere. All right. Well, it's definitely be fascinating to see how all of these issues play out in the next five months. Jamil, thanks for your time. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama, theme music by Bryce Hall. Jamil Giovanni is the author of Why Young Men and the Advocate for Community Opportunities in the Province of Ontario. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.